Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? We're kind of mid-summer. I know summer just started, but we're kind of mid-summer, meaning school's just around the corner. Yeah, the teachers didn't appreciate that very much. So everybody having a good summer so far? How many of y'all have already been on vacation? Y'all need to go on vacation. Not all at once, but... uh, As Rodney said, uh, the last Sunday of each month, our Hispanic brothers and sisters are with us. We always look forward to having you all with us. Appreciate you all being with us and uh, appreciate everybody being here. If you're looking for a church home, we'd like for this to be your church home. If you're visiting with us today, we'd like for you to hang around. You can hang around tonight for our uh, freedom celebration. We've got a meal tonight, so just hang around all day. We'd uh, love to have you stay with us. Got some great Bible classes, various Bible class teachers going on right now on spiritual disciplines, which kind of plays into our sermon today. But uh, so glad to see everybody here. But you're not quite awake, so turn to the people on your right and left and say, appreciate you being here. Okay, that's enough appreciation. That's enough appreciation. Some of y'all didn't participate, so we don't appreciate you. I'm just kidding. We conclude a series we've been calling One. We've been looking at the five one-chapter books of the Bible. So we've looked at Obadiah, Philemon, 2 John, 3 John, and today we're going to look at Jude. Jude is not a book made famous by the Beatles. Just seeing if y'all would get that. But the author was related to someone very famous. When you begin the book of Jude, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. So if Jude was the brother of James, Jude, many people say, was the half-brother of Jesus. So here's someone who is very closely related to Jesus and followed Jesus. Jude is related in content. Much of the of what he has to say sounds like Second John and Third John, and especially Second Peter. So you could reread some of those. They're related in the sense that all four authors want to warn us and warn their readers. Jude wants to warn us that there are false teachers. And there is many, there are many false teachings around. In fact, if you see what Peter says in 2 Peter, he, he says it this way. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because guess what scoffers do? Scoffers come scoffing. Isn't that cool? Scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Let me give you another translation. First of all, you must realize that in the last days, mockers will undoubtedly come, men whose only guide in life is what they want for themselves. Now, here's how Jude says it in his one-chapter book. In the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. So, he wants us to know that there's going to be imposters. There are going to be false teachers. 
He's warning His audience, He's warning that church, and He's still warning us today that there's going to be people who don't preach and teach sound doctrine. Now look what He has to say. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. I wanted to write to you about salvation. I wanted to talk to you about the good news of Jesus Christ. I wanted to talk to you about the salvation we share, but I can't because I need to write to you about these other people. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They're godless men who changed the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Now, I like reading other translations. So, that secretly slipped in among you in other translations, they crept in stealthily. They wormed their way in. They infiltrated our ranks. Now listen, church, he's not talking about folks out there. He's talking about folks in here. He's talking about people in the church, people who have infiltrated the church and are teaching false doctrine. Now that ought to get our attention. There's plenty of false doctrine out there in the world. There's plenty of false teaching out there in the world. Jude writes to warn us, now listen, listen, they stealthily, they crept in unawares, they secretly, they're part of you. Wow, that ought to get our attention. That gives me the impression there might be people in this audience today who are teaching false doctrine. That's what Jude says. In churches, there's people who teach false doctrine. And here's what they're saying. They're changing the grace of God into a license for immorality. They're saying, hey, since we have the grace of God, we can do whatever we want. Since we have the grace of God, we can live any way we want to. Since we have the grace of God, it doesn't matter what we do, because God has to forgive us. Folks, that wasn't 2,000 years ago. That's happening today. Hey, preacher, ease up on us a little bit. It's okay, I can do whatever I want to, because the grace of God's going to cover me. That's false doctrine. And if that's how you're living, and if that's what you believe, you need to read Jude. Because you can't go do whatever you want, and you can't live any way you want, and you can't do all of that with the assumption, hey, it doesn't matter what I do, God's going to cover me, everybody's going to heaven. They changed the grace of God into a license for immorality. But even more, they denied Jesus Christ as our only sovereign and Lord. We've looked at that in some of the other one-chapter books. They deny Jesus Christ. They deny Jesus Christ in the flesh. They say Jesus Christ didn't live in the flesh. Kind of interesting. I went to Dillard's yesterday because I like shopping for sales. And the only time I'm going to buy a tie is when it's 40% off plus another 30% off. I'm thinking pretty soon they ought to owe me money. So this lady was there, and uh, she was picking out some ties that were just... I said, I'm sorry, I just don't like those ties. She said, why don't you like them? I said, well, if you want to put me in a coffin and bury me, that tie's just great. And she said, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a preacher. So when I wear a tie, I like my ties to kind of pop. 
well, how about this one? No. How about this one? No. How about... And we went through all that. And pretty soon another guy came up. And pretty soon another lady that worked there. And pretty soon another lady that worked out there. And I'm like, where's Kelly when I need her? So this one guy says, hey, where do you preach? I said, I preach at the Pine Tree Church Christ. He said, listen, here's what I believe. I don't even know where he went to church. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And I believed he lived on this earth, and I believe he died on the cross and shed his blood for my sins. Are you good with that? I said, I'm good with that. Not everybody's good with that. Jude says, I'm telling you, there's people that deny Jesus Christ. And guess what? They're not, again, I'm going to keep saying this. They're not out there. They're in the church. They're in the church. They're among you. They've crept into the church. So Jude says, let me describe these men. Now, outside of the first two verses, which are salutation, and the last two verses, which is what they call the doxology, he spends his whole letter, just one chapter deal, describing these false teachers. Look at the terminology he uses. They're ungodly, godless men. They change the grace of God into a license for immorality. They deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. They pollute their own bodies. They reject God's authority. They slander celestial beings. They speak abusively at whatever they do not understand. They're corrupted by the very things that they do. They're grumblers and fault finders. Wouldn't have any of those in the church, would we? They follow their own evil desires. They flatter others for their own advantage. They will follow their own ungodly desires. These men will divide you. They will follow mere natural instincts. They do not have the Spirit. He's not done. Keep reading. He says, these men are blemishes, stains at your love feast. They're shepherds who feed only on themselves. They ought to be shepherding and feeding the flock, and they're just feeding their own egos and desires. They're clouds without rain blown along by the wind. They promise a lot, but they don't produce. They're trees without fruit, uprooted and twice dead. They're wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. In other words, they, another translation says, they're full of hot air. And they make a lot of noise. They're wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. He's not done. Look at verse 15. Four times in one verse, he uses the same word. The Lord's coming to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they've done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are people in the church. Wow. Wow. Now, Richie, come on. What's the big deal? I mean, God forgives everybody and God loves everybody and, you know, we ought to have tolerance and it really doesn't matter. And some of the teachings... I mean, you know, I grew up thinking, and really we ought to flex a little bit, and we ought... Jude says, let me warn you. I mean, Jesus said they were coming, and New Testament writers said they were coming, and the prophets said they were coming, and Jude says, guess what? They're here, and they're still here. They're still in the church. So Jude's trying to get our attention about these people who have crept into the church. And he says, I want to warn you about these people. I want you to contend for the truth. I want you to stand for the truth. I want you to do battle. Several of the songs that we sang today, I talked to Rodney, I said, here's what I'm preaching on. There's a war going on. 
So that's why we sing those songs about the battle and the battle and the battle and standing and soldiers. Because there's a war going on for the truth. Folks, you can read the newspapers and you can find false teaching out there. There's a war going on in the church for people who don't stand for the truth. So Jude says, I want to warn you, the danger is real. And the danger is here. And they're in your midst. They've crept in unawares. So, here's what he says about these false teachers. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago. I mean, God knew these people were coming. Their condemnation, their punishment, it was written long ago. Now, if you're not sure what that means, it's real simple. They're not going to get away with it. I don't know any other way to say it. They're not going to get away with it. They're not going to get away with teaching these things. They're not going to get away with living that way. They're not going to get away with sinful behavior. They're not going to get away with dividing the church. They're not going to get away with it. I mean, you're driving down the highway and you're doing the speed, um, whatever it's supposed to be, and someone just... And you're like, where's a highway patrol when you need one? Because you don't want them to get away with it. Jude says, listen, listen, listen. They're not going to get away with it. God's going to take care of those people. They will be judged. They will receive their punishment. They will answer to God. Look what he says in verse 14. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. The Lord's coming with thousands upon thousands of His holy ones. And He's going to judge everyone and He's going to convict. He's not sending His angels. He's not sending a messenger. The Lord's coming and He's going to take care of all these folks. He's going to judge those folks. And he's going to convict those folks. They're not going to get away with it. And he illustrates it this way. You can read in Jude. He's going to illustrate with seven different Old Testament illustrations to say they're not going to get away with it. You remember Israel. They were going into the promised land and they didn't believe ten of the spies. And they didn't have faith. And because of their rebellion, here's what he says. Later they were destroyed, those who did not believe. The fallen angels in their rebellion, verse 6... They're kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Sodom and Gomorrah, with all of their sinful behavior, he says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal fire. You can read verses 8 through 10 about Michael and Moses, and it says at the end of them, in the same way these people bring about their own destruction. You can read about Cain and Balaam and Korah, and in essence, every one of these is, these are all illustrations of rebellion, 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 rebellion. We're not going to do it God's way. We're going to live any way we want to. And these people are in the church. And maybe we've even said things like that. Hey, get off my back. You know, it's, it's between me and God. Get off my back. I can do whatever I want. Sometimes we even say things like that. Why all of these examples? Because he wants us to know when it comes to sinful behavior, when it comes to false teaching, when it comes to things we say, you're not going to get away with it. You will answer to God. Oh, maybe not now on this earth, but one day there's going to be a judgment day. And people who live this way will be punished. So what do we do? What do we do with false teachers in the church? What do we do with false teaching? He's got some things to say. He says, number one, we must contend for the faith. I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. 
He says, I want you to eagerly desire. I want you to... It's kind of like competing in the Greek games. And you stretch with all of your muscles and your nerves and you're doing everything you can in the battle of the games to make sure that you win. You need to do everything you can. I like this translation here. This is from the message. Dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of, of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. What has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks, our scriptures warned us that this would happen, who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of our God with sheer license, which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only Master. He says, listen, I'm, I'm begging you to stand for the truth. I'm begging you to contend for the faith. I'm begging you. I really want to write to you about salvation, but I'm begging you. You're going to have to fight for the truth in the church. You don't have to go out to the streets to fight for the truth. You need to fight for the truth here in the church. Listen, folks, God's not looking for volunteers. Well, the church is just a volunteer organization. No, we're in an army. And it's time to do battle. And Jude is sounding the trumpet saying, we need to contend for the faith. So the question is not, should I become a soldier? If you're a Christ follower, the question is, am I a faithful soldier to the truth? Am I contending for the truth? We need to combat, fight for, contend for. Maybe that's why Paul wrote Titus and said, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. You must teach what is in accord with healthy doctrine. Even when Paul wrote in that day in the first century, there was a body of belief. There was some statements that you could make that said it was, in essence, this is sound doctrine, and you need to teach that. And anything that's outside of sound doctrine, you need to contend for the faith. I like what Warren Wiersbe says. The Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. And maybe we've spent too long playing at church and playing with our religion. You know, we're really only one generation away from extinction, if we don't stand for the truth. The Israelites, in one generation, became rebellious and unfaithful. In one generation, they turned away from God because they didn't stand for the truth, they didn't live the truth, they didn't fight for the truth. We've got to contend for the faith. Now, let me say some things about contending for the faith. Contending for the faith is not fighting to get what you want. Contending for the faith is not arguing to get what you want. Contending for the faith is not arguing because you think something is unscriptural. It's only unscriptural if it's in here. I mean, we've spent a lot of time through the years contending for the faith over things that really we didn't need to contend over. Contending for the faith is not pitching a fit and grumbling and griping because, hey, I listen, I don't like the song service this morning. Or I don't like the way we're doing church. Or I think we ought to be doing something different. And people will say, you know, I was just contending for the faith. No, you were just griping and complaining because you don't like what we do. Stay in context of what it means to contend for the faith. 
I mean, we've been contending for the faith over gymnasiums, and fellowship rooms, and kitchens. That's not contending for the faith. We've been contending for the faith on whether we can join other churches and support mission work. We've been contending for the faith on whether we ought to support children's homes and support widows. That's not contending for the faith. I mean, there's people out there denying Jesus Christ as Lord. There's people in the church denying Jesus Christ as Lord. And we need to fight for that truth. So we need to contend for the faith. Number two, he says we must be disciplined in our spiritual lives. This whole summer, the whole quarter, we're talking about spiritual disciplines. I'd like to encourage you to stay for Bible classes because every two weeks there's, a, uh, there's different ones every, every week. Every week. Just stay. Okay? Here's what Jude says. This is in Jude. You need to build yourselves up in your most holy faith. That's a spiritual discipline. You need to pray in the Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual discipline. You need to keep yourself in God's love. That's a spiritual discipline. You need to wait for the Lord to return and bring eternal life. You need to be merciful to those who doubt and are wavering in the faith. You need to snatch others from the fire and save them. All of those are spiritual disciplines while we're contending for the faith. Contending for the faith is not being contentious. We've been known for arguing and debating and being downright mean. We're supposed to speak the truth in love and practice spiritual disciplines. He also says we must remember we serve a great God. Listen, the challenge is out there. There's people challenging the truth. But guess what? The God we serve is greater. I like what he says to him who is able to keep you from falling... And to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. There's a lot of people out there that are preaching some stuff and you're thinking, there's no way. I mean, this is huge. I mean, this is overwhelming. And Jude says, but we serve a great God who's able to deliver us and to keep us from falling and keep us from stumbling. And if you practice those spiritual disciplines when false teaching comes, you'll know what false teaching is. And you'll say, you know what? I, I don't find that in my Bible. And I believe this is what the truth says if you practice those spiritual disciplines. So Jude says, listen, don't be caught off guard. The false teachers are here in the church and they'll slam you and they'll attack you and they'll say, what's your problem? Here in the church. And they'll turn it on you and they'll make it sound like you're the one who's not teaching the right things. And they'll twist the truth for their own desires and they're going to twist the truth for their own benefit. And the challenge is great in the church. But the God we serve is even greater. And if you'll put your trust in Him and if you'll put your faith in Him, then when it comes to judgment and when it comes to punishment, you have nothing to worry about. But listen... Everybody needs to look in the mirror. Everybody needs to look in the mirror at our sinful behavior and see where we stand with God. We all need to look in the mirror and say, God, is the behavior that I'm exhibiting, is the way that I'm living, is this in violation of the truth? Because if it is, would you convict me of that? Listen, folks, judgment's coming. And punishment is coming. I mean, the Lord said He's coming again. You read Second Peter, scoffers are going to come scoffing, saying, hey, where's that return He promised? It's been thousands of years. I mean, Jesus hadn't come yet. What makes me think He's going to come today? It may be another 2,000 years. I, just go live however you want. Jesus isn't coming anytime soon. 
Listen, folks, Jesus is coming because the truth says He's coming. And when Jesus comes, there will be punishment and there will be judgment. And you need to fear that judgment. Unless, unless you've been washed in the blood. Unless you've had your sins washed away. Because there's no condemnation, there's no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's not a license to go do whatever you want. That's a freedom to follow Jesus. I'm no longer bound to my sins. I'm no longer bound to that lifestyle. I'm free to follow God in the love of God. So I don't fear judgment and I don't fear punishment. No matter what anybody may say, I stand in Jesus Christ. I've been washed in His blood. And if you've been washed in His blood, you don't have to fear judgment. You don't have to fear the second coming. So the invitation today, again, is not for you to join our church. It's for you to be joined with Jesus Christ and to have the blood of Jesus wash your sins away. And if you need to respond to that invitation, we want to help you be baptized. We'll do whatever we can. And you can be baptized anytime you want. If you want to meet with our shepherds, they'll meet with you in the back and they'll pray with you in private. If you need to respond to Jesus... Please do so as we stand and sing.